But here's what I'm very aware of today, and more so than ever, I, I keep going back to March 8th. March 8th was our last kind of um, pre-the-world-went-whacked-out day. And so we met, you know, without much thought to what was going on, a little bit. At that, that day, actually, I had, we, Sadiq and I had canceled our trip to Kenya, so we were certainly aware of what was going on. But we met pretty much normally that day. And little did we know that was the last day we were ever going to meet without wondering what was going on. And I guess what I want to do, even as, as we gather today, um, let's never take our gathering for granted. And even as I, as I think, what would I say, or I know AJ goes over this, what, what worship songs do we sing, what type of thing? What if it were our last? I'm not saying it is. Don't even remotely go there, okay? I'm just saying we should think that. What if, what if this is the last time I were to see all of you like this? And I would much rather see you closer, but that's another thing. Look at all this. Kevin, there's so much. This is a really nice spot down here. We're gonna, I know. I said I'm so far from you. I promise you I cannot spit that far. Um, if AJ were here, I'd spit right on him, so he gets it. Uh, but, but I want to get that, that uh, not, uh, no fear at all, but the seriousness of we're not in a game. We're not in, uh, let's just uh, coast through life. No, we're at a time, we better really pay attention. And we better really say, what's going on? You know, are we... It's easy right now, uh, you do realize the book of Revelation and the book of Daniel are no longer cool books to read. You know why? Because it's a whole lot more than a theory or somebody's eschatological views. It's, uh, oh my gosh, what if we're there? I don't know if we are or not. I'm just saying it's no longer way, way out there. It's not. And so we need to embrace that and say, how is my life going? What is happening in my life? What is happening as a body? Are we ready to, if you want to say, go underground? Are we ready for it? Are we ready to uh, be able to grow in the Lord if I face different things? I was, um, uh, maybe I've shared this story before, but in my junior year, I think maybe it was my sophomore year at, at, at college, um, our fellowship, it was a student-run fellowship, fairly small fellowship, it wasn't near as big as this, and we're on a campus of 40,000 students, and we got into a massively controversial thing, and we thought we were just giving hope to people, and we ended up getting on the front page of the paper and being called hate mongers and all these things. Um, we had the audacity to preach that Jesus could change lives. And we put up like a dozen posters and the next thing we knew we're on the front page and calling us out by names and yada yada yada. And we, we actually uh, it started this uh, month or two month long dialogue in the paper about how awful we were. And, and we're just a little, we're just a bunch of 18, 19, 20 year olds uh, loving Jesus and all of a sudden we got into this whacked out thing. Well, it was, we had to, we were called before the Student Government Association, SGA, and we were, they were going to pull our, um, um, 
whatever it's called. It's our, our ability to meet our, what's that called on a college campus? I don't know, our charter, our, we were going to lose our status as a student organization. And so we knew this was potentially coming. And so we got together and we, I mean, you know, I was 20 years old. I was a total radical. I was so excited about this. It's the coolest thing that ever happened in my life, right? I'm like, this is awesome. But what we did, and I was around about 100 other people who thought it was equally as awesome. We said, this is going to be the best. We got to go underground. We had it already prepared. How we're going to get into the Bible. How we're going to have these meetings. And how we're going to meet off campus here. And how we're going here. And this, we were meeting in stair, we were ready to meet in stairwells. And at 10 o'clock at night, you know, it was just a, it was a goofy time. Um, ended up, we didn't lose our charter and didn't have to go in that. But what it did, it was a one time in my life where I had to say, am I ready to do this? It wasn't just, you know, I've read books about, you know, what the, the church in China and, uh, oh, wow, that'd be, I actually read those books and think, see, that'd be cool. I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that less and less now, but when I was in my 20s, I was all about it. Um, the, but, but I had to actually, we had to actually face the reality that we may lose our freedoms as a church at that time. And here's what, we, again, we were radical college students. And we, what we were doing was we were saying, we will embrace this, we will win, and we will dominate this university from stairwells. That was our attitude. We're like, bring it on, baby. So we went into the SGA meeting. We're like, come on, man. And it was, I mean, it was, a, it was a wild time. I don't want to go back there. I'm not 20. Uh, you know, I'm not in that. But I just want to get that back in me that, listen, the gospel's awesome. And the gospel changes lives. And the gospel will withstand anything at all. So I want you to hear this as I speak today, that my heart is that never, never would we back down from the truth of the gospel. Listen, your opinion, my opinion, what do they say about opinions? It's like an armpit. Everybody's got one, they all stink. Okay? Whatever, we got opinions. I'm not worrying about defending my opinion. I got plenty. The good thing for me is all mine are right. Uh, <laughs> so I'm not interested in saying my opinion will make it. Eh, it may or may not. But I tell you what, the word of God and the gospel will make it. And the word of God and the gospel, as long as it's changing my opinions, I'm probably okay. I'm all right as long as my opinions keep evolving into coming in line with the Bible and the, word, and the, and the, and the presence of God and the, and the Lord's Word. That's, that's where I want us to really have a heart for. So, Father, even as we, as we think through the world we're in right now, such a strange time. Father, have your truth be true and have us recognize it. That's our heart. Even today. Amen. Amen. Go to 1 Samuel 17. I want to take two weeks and teach on David and Goliath. Um, anytime you teach on David and Goliath, because it's such a you know, common Sunday school thing, you feel like uh, it's cheesy. Um, but I'm telling you what, there's nothing cheesy about David and Goliath. And um, the, the, uh, the whole thought of, of the victory and things like that. I can see that clock. I don't want to be in here long. As, when we have meetings out here and it's 138 degrees, um, I want to be mindful of that. Um, I'm, I'm, not a, you know, I'm not some supernatural person who doesn't get hot. I totally get it. Um,
Evan, you're probably fine right in front of that fan. You chose well, brother. Good job. The, um, in, this, in the account of David and Goliath, I want us to see a few principles that I really believe that God wants to challenge us with. Understand there was a battle going on. And it wasn't a new battle. It was the Israelites and the Philistines. But the battle had hit a height. There's a heightened battle uh, that was coming out. And there was no end in sight. You know the, you know the account. Um, the Philistines were over there. And the Israelites were over there. And every day they would come to battle. They would come out and they would get ready. You know, one would stand on this white line and the other would stand on that white line. They would look at each other and they're like, we are ready for battle. Every day, the biggest dude on the other team, Goliath, would come forward, step in the, you know, the circle right there, and would say, hey, you dogs got anybody who can fight me today? You beat me, we'll be your servant. I'll beat you, you're done. And he would mock them every day. Your God's a wimp. You talk about how he was in the desert. He's nothing today. Yeah, he was fine when Moses was your leader, but there ain't no Moses today. You got this knucklehead Saul leading you. You bunch of punks. You probably don't even make your own swords. And You know, he's going every day. They'd come out in the morning, and he would do They would come out in the evening, and he would do that. And then they would all go home. For 40 days, that's what was going on. I want you to see, though, as that was going on, there's so many things to this. I'm going to read, get into that. Uh, but there's so many uh, things about this. As you go home and read this account of Goliath, I want you to see, please hear this, any battle we face is spiritual. I, I want us to hear that. That's not to be spooky. That's just to help us understand who we're fighting. Your enemy's never the guy next to you. Just isn't. I mean, you might get in a fight with them, but the real enemy is using that person. You gotta understand, our battles are not flesh and blood. That will really free you. Listen, I get so frustrated because I feel like the whole world is full of idiots. And, and, and there are times, and this is the arrogance, but I know you are the same as me. I feel like I'm the only sane person left, right? Does anybody, raise your hand if you feel that way, please. Okay, listen, you're not alone because I'm still sane. So you and I, the seven of you and me, we're all, but you, you feel like, what is going on? I just want to grab somebody and kick them and punch them and mute them or whatever the thing would be. But I have to remind myself, my battle is not against flesh and blood. And so if we, if we get that, and it's easy to say that, but then you look at somebody and you say, that's the problem. He's the problem. She's the problem, whatever it would be. But I've got to get away from that if I want to fight this correctly. Because if you look at just the Philistines as the enemies, or even just Goliath as the enemy, you'll, n you'll never fight Goliath, Goliath is he, if he's the enemy. You never would. David would have never fought Goliath if he was convinced Goliath was the enemy. Why? Because he would not have beaten him. I don't care how good you are at throwing stones. This little dude against, you know, a guy double the size of Shaq O'Neal, I cannot take down, period. Can't do it. Neither can you. In fact, I won't do it. I won't go into that battle. 
I have enough self-awareness to realize he will destroy me. David had the same self-awareness, but David saw it as a higher battle. He saw it up here, and therefore he went right to the battle. I want to go through this uh, because I want you to see what David was doing. I said I'm going to do this in two weeks, but uh, probably be three. Okay, I'm in 17-something. Here it is. Uh, I want to get to where David's sent to take... Uh, let's go to verse uh, 10. 17.10, uh, the Philistine, this is Goliath, he said, This day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistine's words, Saul, now Saul is the king, who's also the, the military leader, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Those are actually pretty strong words. All of Israel was dismayed and terrified. They were in trouble. They were, they were afraid. They were scared, uh, dismayed. Uh, when you look into the word, you know, I'm like, oh, you're dismayed. I'm thinking, I don't even know what that word means if I had to define it. But here's what dismayed means, both the, the Greek word here and in our language today. Um, it is when courage is destroyed due to unexpected enemy. Something just pops up you weren't expecting, and you go, Oh, you're dismayed. They're dismayed and they're terrified. Terrified. They're, they're, it's, a, it's a delusionment that's caused by fear and you're at a loss of what to do. Now, if dismayed and terrified doesn't describe our world today, I don't know what does. It's dismayed and terrified. Something unexpected came out of nowhere and we don't know what's going on. So we go look at it every day. And it actually says morning and evening. Now, some of you are old enough to remember when you didn't have 24-7 news. You had the morning news and the evening news. And so as I read that it came out every morning and evening, I thought, okay, that was the day's news. Every morning, Goliath comes out and says, you bunch of dogs, you're going down. They go about their day. Comes back in the evening. And tonight, we break into this program to show you Goliath. And he says, you're in trouble. So you go to bed scared. You wake up scared. You live the day scared. Because Goliath keeps appearing. And let me tell you, you can't beat him. That's the discouraging part. Who's going to beat this guy? So he's nine foot tall. His armor weighed more than anybody in this room. He had a sword that, I know David actually took his sword and cut off his head. David must have been pretty buffed up to be able to pick up his sword. And lop off his head. So the, he, he, the, the, all of Israel was dismayed and terrified. So watch what happens. While this is going on for 40 days, you know where David is? Where is he? Just hanging out in the field, tending sheep. David's not even in the battle. He's not even up there. He is in a little pocket, really unaware of what's going on. Uh, for the most part. He is certainly unimpressive. He is a nobody of nobodies. Now understand, I do realize this, he had been anointed by um, yeah, Samuel. I get that, and that's actually a really important thing because I want you to hear this right now. You have been anointed by the Lord, okay? Well, nobody knows it. That's a good thing, right? If you're going into bad, nobody knew David was anointed. His brothers knew, but they didn't believe it. His dad knew, but he didn't care. 
And that seemed to be it. So he was already anointed, called, and there. But nobody was validating that call. Yet the world, Israel, the world was waiting for the answer that he had, and nobody knew. God will not, does not, really has never used the worldly powerful to bring forth his call. He doesn't. Why doesn't God use the richest man in the world to fix all the problems? Hello, who would get the glory? The guy. Why doesn't God use the strongest person to pick up the rock? Because the strong guy would get all the glory. I'm telling you, God doesn't like sharing his glory. Period. So the one surefire way to not have God share his glory is to pick the most unlikely, unqualified, not so smart, not so powerful, not so rich person who looks a lot like you and me and says, nobody's going to give them credit because they already think they're a bunch of buffoons. So when God uses us, they say, wow, that was awesome, Rick, or whatever your name is. And you say, yeah, it was, but you do realize yesterday you didn't think I could do anything to God be all the glory. And he gets all the glory. So these people are terrified and they're dismayed. I want you to see, though, what they're like, because this is going to really help us in how to throw the stone and how to have compassion on the people uh, that are under the leaders. Um, they're... they're um, this week I was going through this and whatever, different things popped in my head. And the, the scripture in Matthew um, 8, I should read it before I make things up. Um, I really feel like I'm in Africa right now. So if anybody's wondering, it's hot, man. I am sweating. Actually, the hottest place I ever preached was in uh, west, su very southern Mexico on the west coast. Um, oh my gosh, it was hot there. I was in a total African village in Mexico all Africans, they have no idea why they're there. That's pretty cool, right? I'm in an African village. They've been there for longer than anybody can remember, and they're a little African village on an island or a peninsula, kind of a secluded place in the very southern part, western part of Mexico. And uh, anyways, it was really hot there. Uh, okay, let me go here to this. The, the, you know the passage in Matthew 9 where he says the workers are few, but I want you to hear this. Uh, Jesus went through this, this is verse 35. He went through all the towns, villages, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the good news, healing every disease and sickness. Watch this. Here's the verse, verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. You know why he had compassion on them? He didn't have compassion on them because they were sick. He didn't have compassion on them because they were struggling. None of that. He didn't have compassion on them because they didn't have money or anything. He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus has compassion on sheep who don't have a shepherd. You know why? Because he's the answer to that. He's the answer to the shepherdless sheep. So watch what we have right now. We have a world, a nation, a state, a region, whatever. We have millions of people who are sheep without the shepherd. And so what happens when the ones in charge are sheep without a shepherd? The sheep follow the sheep. 
I don't know. Do you know much about sheep? Kevin, you and I are, you got to share this because I've never heard anybody who actually watched sheep do this. Kevin's very rural. Um, tell about, on the bottom, click that, on the, there you go, click that. I want you to hear that because he, he used to live across from a sheep farm. You good? Can he use that mic? All right, you're good. This isn't anything deep, but we were talking about this sermon before uh, church started. And uh, I used to go up to my grandma's and across the road, I mean, this huge pasture. I mean, it was big. And there were sheep in it. And a lot of us are farmers or we've been around sheep. Sheep are dumb. One, one sheep would wander off to way off in one corner of the pasture. Bah! Hundred sheep run off there. One would happen to get left behind. I mean, I'd watch this for hours. All of a sudden, that one that was left behind, blah, boom, all of them come. And this would go on just for an hour, two hours. They just ch chase one that didn't know what it was doing, and the rest of the crowd would say, oh, he must know something. He's over there blatting, and run to him. Well, and you see the story, so you take it from here. Right? <laughs> Listen, Kevin didn't have TV. So he sat, <laughs> I mean, if you sat there for hours watching this, but I love, when he told me that, I said, oh my gosh, that's a picture of our lives, right? Somebody just gets loud. Let's run over there. This is great. They have no idea why they even went, bah, but they did, and we're all there. Oh, great, bah, dude. But then we hear, well, let's go this way. This is, this is our world. Our world is sheep without a shepherd. Here's what I have to do. Instead of getting mad at that sheep who's standing over there going, bah, I, I really hope I have a little compassion. And say, oh dear, if the shepherd would just show up, they'd actually know at least who to look for there. And so that, 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 that thing, when Jesus says they're sheep, they're like sheep without a shepherd, I want the compassion of Jesus to come out in me. Watch this. But I do not want to keep chasing the loudest sheep. I want compassion on them, but I don't want to be one of the stupid sheep in the field running around chasing whoever's loud. I must have compassion and lean heavily into my shepherd. And then everything I can do to have others see my shepherd. I don't, I don't know what your sheep farm was like, but if somebody showed up who was in charge, I'm sure they all went to them. So, I mean, that's what sheep do. So they, if the, if they, so the farmer shows up, they all run to the barn. Oh, why didn't you say that? That's even better. So, so listen, as Kevin's wasting his afternoon watching sheep run from one side to the other, the, was this the Wilcoxes or who was it? Whoever, it doesn't matter who it was. The, 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 uh, I, I said that because we oftentimes have Wilcoxes in here. Um, but the, uh, but the, as soon as the, watch this because this is what we got to be praying for. As soon as the shepherd, the farmer shows up in the barn, it's kind of some pretty good imagery there, calls to the sheep. The sheep that were going from there to there to there to there to there, when they hear the shepherd, where do they go? Right this way. They're not even looking at the other sheep. 
They're not even worried about if the other sheep are following. They heard the shepherd's voice, they run to the barn, they're in the barn, they're fed, they're safe, they're taken care of, and they're totally fine in the barn. But they won't run to the barn until they hear the shepherd's voice. This is my heart that people would hear the shepherd's voice. And listen, some of you, all of us, should be speaking as the shepherd's under-shepherd. And so we should be a person, when they look to us, we help them know there's a better voice in the barn, and let's go over there. The sheep over in that corner who's just making a lot of noise, don't beat them up, but do everything in your power to get them to at least look and listen toward the barn. It's just something really strong there that is, is I may just tell you, I am really struggling with being mad. I just want to be totally honest with you, right? I am not a pacifist who just says, well, they think differently than me. No, listen, they think wrong, okay? So I have no problem saying that, and this is why we're not cowering back, right? Some people right now are saying, well, let's just wait this out. Dude, you wait this out. You may have missed everything you thought you were going to get on the other end of this. You can't just wait this out. You can't. And anybody who thinks they can is fooling themselves. That's why we're not. But at the same time, I don't want to just beat up some sheep who's over there or who's over there or down there. I've got to have compassion. That aggressiveness and compassion needs to come out of us. It's a strong thing. It's got, it's got to be. Because listen, nobody's hearing the voice of truth. Nobody's hearing the voice of the Lord. We must help them and have it be done in power and compassion. What do we got? I'm just going to finish up with this because I do want us to go. I, uh, well, see, the problem is I actually can't even see you anymore because the sweat is, is so much in my eyes. So I got nothing to... I'm just struggling here. Just The Venords. There you go. The Venord. Okay, there you go. Thank you for remembering who the farmer was. Let me just read this. I'm going to give you homework. We're going to come back next week. So David, because this is the one principle you got to take home today. So David was sent to his brothers. Remember, he's the youngest. And his dad sends him to his brothers. You know why he was sent. He was sent because his brothers were hungry. And his dad said, here, take this food to them. Take the bread. And he took a, it, the Bible tells us exactly what he took. This much of ephods of this and this much of that and all that stuff. So he goes to the front lines taking bread. He gets to the front lines and he sees what's happening. And you just need to read um, 1 Samuel 17 because um, I'm too distracted to just, I'll, I'll get so bogged down if I read it because it's so good. Uh, the, but I just want you to get one principle here. He went there to take food to others. Here's what I want us to see. He got there and he gave them the food. And you say, well, whoa, that's deep, Rick. Wow. This is why this is deep. And this is why you got to get this. I got to get this today. If you are starving, and I give you a meal, and I say, would you take this down to Warren and give it to three guys down there? You haven't eaten in a week, right? And the pie is warm in the back and it's fresh bread in the back as you drive you have one thought on your mind I gotta eat that bread 
Would that bread ever get to those brothers if you were starving? Don't tell me you're a saint. No, it wouldn't have. You would have just stopped at Warner Park, pulled into a shady area, eaten the thing, come home, and Dad says, hey, the boys like it. And, oh, it was good, Dad. This is what I want you to hear because this is really important right now for us as believers. You better know how to feed yourself. You better know how to feed yourself. Because if all you're looking is for somebody else to give you food, or if God is saying, take this truth to them, and you have no truth in you, you're craving truth because you haven't had truth, listen, we better be able to feed ourselves. Or there ain't no way God's going to entrust us to take the bread to the guys down the road who are hungry. And if you don't take the bread to the guys down the road who are hungry, you might miss the battle that's right there that God has for you to win, which we will talk about next week, how to win that battle. You should come back like tomorrow. This is pretty good. We can get this. Um, the, but, but I want us to hear this. I'm really so convinced. And like I said to start off with, what if this is the last time we're allowed to meet? You know, some churches didn't meet today. They just said, well, We'll just wait it out. No, we have no plans of doing that. I'm just saying, you better know how to feed yourself. You better get into the Word. I I'm watching myself do this. It's so easy to hear every other voice. That's the easiest thing to do right now. I don't have to put any energy into hearing a thousand voices. There is no evening news. There is a constant bombardment of a worldview that is not godly. And I am going to succumb to that unless I intentionally, and yes, it takes some effort. Yes, it takes some discipline. Yes, it takes some sacrifice. And I'm going to succumb to a new worldview unless I'm intentionally getting my food directly from Jesus. And so my heart for myself, listen, this is me. This is my heart for me. Here's the one, I, I don't know if it's good or bad. I have a ton of reservoir of truth in my back pocket. Okay, that's just, I mean, you, you shouldn't be like impressed. You should say, well, yeah, you better have a ton of it. Yeah, I do. I got 30 years reservoir in my back pocket. But it's got to be fresh, man. A lot of you have 30, 40, 50 years of reservoir of truth in your pocket. Build on it. Build on it. Don't just pull out something from 1995. Oh, here's a 2008 nugget. That's a good nugget. But build on it. Build on it. And so I'm really being challenged personally. Get into the Word. Get into it. Whatever that means for you. I'm not going to tell you how or whatever. Do you use an audio thing? Ride in your car. Read. People still read. I heard that some people still own Bibles. Um, sing it. You know, if the, there's not so much currently, but there's thousands of songs that are directly the Word of God. Get those in your head. Get them in your head. Why? Because they will stick. And you'll just start... Dorothy, you're right there. Every time I'm at a prayer meeting with you, a scripture pops up and she has to sing the thing. I'm like, really? You can't just say a Bible verse? Nope, not if you're Dorothy Gear. You must sing the Bible verse. Why? Because she was discipled in the 80s and 90s when every song was the Bible. It wasn't that great of a song. Right? It's still not, you know, it's not in our top 40. But you know what that song still is? In our hearts. Because we would sing whatever. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. 
That is a dumb song. It has a stupid tune. But Galatians 2.20 is stuck in this head. I can't get it out. Now that's there the rest of the day. And I feel like a, a sailor man, right? I mean, that's... We were really singing these songs, but the Word of God is stuck in us because we were disciplining ourselves. I was just talking to my brother who was at Calvary some Calvary chapels in California. Calvary chapels in the 90s, 80s and 90s, didn't project lyrics, and they didn't give you little pieces of paper. And in 1992, they didn't even put it on their Facebook page. Uh, but the reason is, is their philosophy was, we're going to sing such simple songs that you learn it and get it in your heart. I'm not saying we should do that, but I'm just saying that principle must be there. I gotta get it in my heart. You don't have to memorize the whole Bible, but maybe Galatians 2.20 in this day is not a bad thing to believe. What about, I used, to, I used to have a wedding band until it broke and I lost it, now I got something that's rubber, but inside of my wedding band was Philippians 1, uh, yeah, 21, I think. Um, Sandy had Galatians 2.20 in her wedding band. I had Philippians 1.21 in mine. And mine was, for me to live as Christ, to die is gain. That is not your normal wedding vow. But I tell you what, you want a good marriage, have that be your wedding vow. You want a good wedding vow? Galatians 2.20. Put that in your wife's wedding band. You want to have, be an awesome husband? If your wife believes Galatians 2.20 and your husband does too, you'll be falling all over each other trying to serve the other because each of you have already died to yourself because Christ crucified you and resurrected you to serve and to love others. That's a good marriage, and that's how the Word of God changes us. That's the foundation for it all, and I'm telling you, if the Word of God's in you, that will never come out of you. I don't even know what the inside of my wedding band says now. Probably like made in China or something. It says nothing. That's better than that. So okay. I've never looked at it. All right, I'm just going to stop. I'm hot. You're hot. Um, but uh, get this. Get it. Next week, we're going to get into how to approach a battle, how to fight on a spiritual front, how to is a physical part of it, right? David this just didn't sit in the field and pray. There were feet involved with it. There was a stone involved with it. There was an arm involved with it. But he was not fighting a big guy. He was fighting something so much bigger. And then I want you to see how the unlikely guy who took down the champion freed up the multitudes. I believe God's going to produce a person, a people, a whatever you want to call it, that you don't know their name and nobody cares about their name and God's going to raise them up to bring victory. And it's only going to come first if you know you're anointed, which you are. Know you're called if you are not. If you're not, get it. How do you get it? You go before Jesus and say, here I am, take my life, I give it to you. He says, thank you, I've been waiting. Here's a calling, here's an anointing, here's an empowering of the Spirit. Now go, because i got a Goliath for you to take down. And, and he's calling us to that. And so, and, but, so, Father, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Walk with us, guide us. Lord, give us wisdom, give us victory. Lord, we thank you for divine protection. Lord, I thank you for this region. Listen to me, people. You, do we understand how 
God has protected our region at this time? Could it be that he has protected our region because out of our region is coming an answer for the nations? Right? Could it be? Listen, if we were in the middle of a pandemic epicenter, we wouldn't be sitting here like this. It's but the grace of God that we live in a place here, not even like this. I'm not sure if there's another one of these in America. I'm not sure. But this is where we are. So come on, we're in this place. We better not just say, wow, I'm glad I live here. No, we better say, God, why do I live here? Because maybe I'm the answer for the nation. We've got to embrace that. And I'm really thankful. I always, I jokingly say, listen, nothing comes to Warren County, not even Corona. Uh, so, but hey, that's not a bad gig, right? But there's something priceless here. We've talked about for years how God has bring, brought answers to the nations out of Warren and Chautauqua County. Literally have come out of our soil and change the world. Come out of our brains and change the world. Right out of our little Nazareth where everybody today says nothing good could come out of here. What if God is protecting us, giving us time to seek him, get the answer, and proclaim it loudly? Because I'm telling you, even as David was with his sheep, there was not a battle with his sheep. He was immune from it. But there was a time God said, okay, you've been fed enough here. It's time to go to the battle and you take down that giant. I'm telling you, we can do this, people. I am not going to shrink back and say, oh, we're just a little small town who has no say. Listen, the world is so stupid right now. Why wouldn't God use a simple people to bring the solution? Why not us? Why not here? Why not right now? And why not you? Why not you to be part of this? Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Do it, Lord. Have us have a yes in our hearts to you. Have us say yes to you, Lord. Do whatever you want to do. Take our simpleness. Take our lack of education, our lack of resources, whatever our lack is. We say thank you for our lack because to you be the glory, God. To you be the glory. Continue to protect us as we seek you, as we call out to the nations to come to you and have us be a voice even in this nation. Have us get unusual phone calls of people who have heard of what you're doing and that they would seek you for answers to all things. Hallelujah. Look, yeah, we just say yes, Lord. We say yes, yes to you, yes to you. Listen, I love you guys so much. Um, I told you I was going to be quick. I'm just a little excited. Um, And so... But we here we go. Oh, you just you, are you gonna tear down the stage or are you gonna sing it? <laughs> but listen, people, let's do this. Let's do it together. Read first John, I mean first Samuel 17. And I want to get into how David fought the thing. You have God speak to you. He will speak to you. We don't have a whole lot scheduled. Our calendar is pretty blank. Um, you know, we meet with teens on Wednesdays. Um, we're gonna be someplace next Sunday. Listen, I'll, I will commit to you this. We're not gonna stop meeting. We might modify hows. We're not going to stop meeting. We're not going to do that. And so, uh, because it's very important uh, that we gather. Because I'm telling you, you're going to leave here today encouraged. You're going to leave here today. Uh, it is so easy for us to get discouraged. You leave here today encouraged. I'm telling you, we're not just going to make it. We're going to slay the giants. We just are. We're just going to.